Hey, good morning, everybody. We are, uh, I like the, the graphic that Mike uh, Day put together. Isn't that nice? The Gospel of John. That's what we're doing. That's what we're looking at here. So, uh, but before we get started on that today, uh, how about a little test? What? That's Old Testament. We're in the New Testament here. Come on now. Keep up. 521.1, right? 521.1. And so, so uh, what's the first section? History, right? And the second section? Letters, right? And the last section? Prophecy, right. Okay, so... That's not that difficult to, uh, to remember, right? I think, I think we should all uh, at least know the basics about the, at least the New Testament. I think, I think, you know, you say, well, gosh, I can't even remember my, own, my middle name. Uh, and I'm supposed to memorize, you know, the books of the, of the, uh, the Bible. But you know what? It, again, what's been happening over the, the last, I don't know how many years where... You know, we're becoming more biblically illiterate and not even knowing, oh, yeah, Philippians is in the Bible? Like, really? Like, we should know these kinds of things. So, so uh, let me test you on the first section, history, right? Do you all, do you all know what those five books are? Do you know what those five books are? I mean, do you know what those five books are? Not like a, let's see, hmm. Revelation, oh, no, uh, Psalms, no, so what is it? Okay, right, good job. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts, look at that, it even kind of goes down into a little, nice little graphic there, isn't that nice? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. So, so this is really where all, all the history of the New Testament is found. And, and we're going to talk a little bit about that today. And we'll get to that in a minute. But it's important to kind of know, like this, these are the four Gospels and then the book of Acts, the kind of the, the, the history of the church and what happened in the, the early church. Now, a little bit of review from last week because I, I just found this such an incredible uh, idea to think about that John talks about himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved, right? You remember that? Some of you were here. Some of you were here and you weren't here. But John knew it. He, he knew this and he believed it. And he was changed forever by the love of Jesus. And, and he used that word or a form of that word 100 times. Jesus loves me. This I know. Paul the Apostle talked about it. He said, the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He prayed that they would grasp how wide, how long, how high, and how deep is the love of Christ. I found a, a scripture in, uh, in uh, reading in the Psalms, and it, it speaks in Psalm 103, and it says, you know, bless the Lord, O my soul. He says, who redeems you, who redeems you or your life from the pit, and he crowns you, he, literally it means he encircles you with love and compassion. 
He encircles you. So the psalm writer in that case, he understood that this is what God does. John understood that he was loved by Jesus. He was loved by God. And it changed him. It radically changed him. I want you to start with me. Let's start in John chapter 8. John chapter 8. The Gospel of John, right? We have, there's other writings of John. I mentioned this last time, which are called what? The Epistles of John. And so it's not the Epistles, but it's the Gospel of John. And uh, then we have the book of Revelation as well. So those, those uh, five books that John wrote. But let's, let's start in John chapter 8 because I want to throw this back at you. John chapter 8, and start in verse 30. Says what? Even as he spoke, many put their faith in him. And to the Jews who had believed him, those who are believers now, the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, he's speaking to the believers, those who had believed, if you hold to my teaching, you are really or truly my disciples. And then what? You will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. Some translations say, if you, uh, if you continue in my word, you are really my disciples. You are my disciples indeed, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free or make you free. Jesus saying, you know, that, that we need to be in his word, into, into what he had to say. And so my challenge, I, I, I gave this to you, and I want to give this to you again. The challenge is to read the gospel of John. Can you read the whole gospel of John? Have you ever read the whole gospel of John? How many chapters again? 21. 21 chapters. So uh, I talked to somebody who said they started reading it and, and you know, they were reading about a half a chapter a day. And so, so that will take you about what? About six weeks. Some of you, your math is a little rusty. 21 days is three weeks. So if you do half a chapter, you, six weeks. So we can do that. We're going to be in this book for a long time. Uh, you know, if you can say by the time we get to the end of this book, I have read the whole gospel of John. I will be happy, and you want to make me happy, right? You really want to make me happy, because you know what they say, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy, right? And so if I'm not happy, then I'm going to come in here, I'm going to be miserable, I'm going to be talking like, you know, you're going to be saying like, why did I come here? The guy, you know, he's, no, he's never happy, he never has anything good to say. And I don't want that to be the case. So, can you do that? Jesus said, if you really are his disciple, that you're going to hold or abide or continue in his teaching. The word is logos. Continue in his logos, in his words. To the, to the Jews who had believed him, he said that. So, let's move on. Uh, any of you ever write a book. Has anybody written a book? Anybody here? So, that's okay. None of us have written a book. I haven't written a book. 
But I want to ask the question here, and, and this is kind of the, what, what I want to uh, hit on today as far as this Gospel of John. Why would you write a book? What are the reasons for writing a book? Anybody? To tell tell others something, right? You got a message you want to get across, right? What else? To inspire people, yeah, okay. Make money, yeah. What did you say? To record something, some to put some history down, or you know that that it doesn't get lost, right? That's good, yeah. What else? Anybody else? To share something important, right? How about just to entertain? You know, you write a book to entertain. I mean, you know, I read for entertainment. I read different kinds of books, and and you know, some of them are like very instructive. Some of them are very, you know. Uh, hard to get through. Others are, you know, they're just fun to read, you know. You know, but, you know, it's the idea, well, you know, if, if you are an author and you do write books, you kind of want it to sell, right? You'd like it to be a bestseller, right? You, you'd like to get a little bit of something back from it. You put your whole life into it. But, you know, when we, when we talk about the Gospel of John and we think about this, the reason we, we ask the question, and this is the title of my message today, is the Gospel of John, why? Why did he write this book? That's important. When you study, when you, when you uh, look at the different books of the Bible, and they each have their own kind of, you know, uh, flavor, each have their own kind of uh, emphasis, and so we kind of look at, if you study a book like that, you do a book study, let's say. You kind of say, well, why was this book written? What is it all about? What, is the, what are the main you know, things that, that come out of this book? And so, so to have kind of an idea, well, this Gospel of John, why was it written? Why did God bring it to us? And, and really, it, it, it boils down to some very uh, clear things, but, but really is, the, is that you may believe. That's the, the bottom line. We're going to look at those verses in a minute. It's really about bringing people to Jesus. There's so many verses in it, and, and, and as we read through it, and as, and as you take the challenge too, and you read and you look for those times where those kinds of words are used throughout the book. Now, I don't think John wrote for profit, do you? If anything, what did he get out of it? He got persecution, if anything. He didn't get money out of it. I don't think he wrote these things down to become a bestseller. But the interesting thing about it, it did become a bestseller, didn't it? And as a matter of fact, uh, I, I don't have any uh, hard uh, data on this, but, but the Bible itself, and I, and I, I, I believe this is true, has is is been the, the bestseller of any book in all of history. But... The Gospel of John has been, you know, printed separately and, and passed out. So it could very well be that, that, that the Gospel of John itself was actually printed more than, than, than any other book in history. You, you see what I'm saying? Does that make sense? You know, people have used the Gospel of John as a tract. You know, let me just give you this. Can you just read this? And, and so, of course, if, again, I, 
I hate to hammer the challenge, but if we're going to hand the Gospel of John to somebody, we should probably have read it ourselves too. Anyways, that's... You want to make me happy, I understand. Amen. Amen. So, the Gospel of John, you know, why did he write it to, that, that you may believe? Now, just a little bit of, of background, and we had that graphic on the screen, the different books of history. We had Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, right? And then the book of Acts. So, so we, have, we have four Gospels, four books that are called Gospels, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are called the four Gospels, right? Okay. This is all basic, rudimentary stuff. But Matthew, Mark, and Luke are in one category, and the Gospel of John is in another category. You say, why do you say that? What, what does that mean? Does anybody know the category Matthew, Mark, and Luke? The Synoptic Gospels, they're called. And, and the reason, the reason it's just a, if you look at that word synoptic, the, the word S-Y-N means, doesn't mean sin, it means same, right? And optic, you know, like optics, you know, you see your glasses and, you know, optics. So they, they see the same thing. They kind of are, are very similar. That's all it really means. They, they have a similar, there's a lot of things that are found, you know, within uh, all three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, right? Now, the Gospel of John is, is kind of very different. In fact, uh, uh, I, I read that 90% of the material found in John is not found in the other three Gospels. That's interesting. Very different. It's a powerful little book, and that's why I think, uh, and again, to, to hand it, to be used to hand out to people as a tract is, is the reason, the reason is because it's so powerful and it's got this incredible message to reach out and that people might believe in Jesus Christ. Unique, powerful. It's all powerful, of course. So the Gospel of John, uh, does anybody know, I've already kind of said it, but the key word in the Gospel of John is what? Believe. It's, that's the key word. And, and people who study these things, they come up with, you know, the key verses, the key uh, word and the theme. We'll get to that in a second. But the key word is believe. And I was thinking about that. You know, uh, we kind of hear it sometimes in our society too, don't we? Anybody know when it, like, be, it becomes a big word? Believe. You'll know when I tell you. No. It's, it's when your sports team is like doing well or maybe not doing well. Believe. I, can't, I was trying to remember and I, I couldn't find it which team was using that, that phrase. Believe. It's like we're going to believe that our team is going to get there to the Super Bowl or to the... Was it the Red Sox? I think it was. That's what I, but I couldn't find the, the proof of that. So, you know, it's like believe. And, and, and that's the, you know, they had, this was their, their big word, you know, we're going to get there, we're going to break the curse or whatever, and we're going to, you know, we're going to go on and win the, the uh, uh, World, Series. World Series, there you go. I was going to say Super Bowl, but. So, so this idea of believe, you know, and so, well, we can get all excited about that, and, and we're going to believe, and, 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 but you're going to believe what? That the Red Sox are like everything to me? 
Sorry, Jay. I see he's got a Red Sox t-shirt on. <laughs> We've got a message. John has got a message, and it's believing, but it's not, you know, that we're going to win the World Series. It's that, that, that Jesus Christ has won. He's overcome the world. That Jesus Christ has won the battle. That he's died for our sin. That he gives us eternal life. Yeah, believe. That's the key word. It's used 98 times in that gospel, in the gospel of John. 98 times. That's a lot. That's a lot. Key word, believe. So, so when you're reading through, look for, those, look for that word. See if you can find all 98 times without consulting your concordance. The theme, though, the, another thing that comes out very strongly is this, the deity of Christ. Now, what does that mean? The deity of Christ. It's you, you know, one of these spiritual words. What does the deity of Christ mean? Anybody know? That he is God, right. Deity means God, that he is God, that Jesus Christ is God. That's a very important factor, and it's found, again, uh, uh, someone wrote that, that they see the deity of Christ presented in every single chapter of the Gospel of John. Every single chapter. The deity of Christ. So obviously that's important to know. In other words, he's not just a man. He's, he's not just some guy that, some teacher that came along, you know, like, you know, these other guys that have come along. He is God come down. That's why at Christmas time we talk about Emmanuel, God with us. He's the only one who can save us. So the, the themes, and as we go through the Gospel of John, we're going to see those things come out again and again and again. The deity of Jesus Christ. So let's go ahead and get to the key verses, right? And this is where we're going to look at for the next few minutes. Let's turn to John chapter 20. John chapter 20, and it, it pretty much tells us exactly why he wrote this book. John chapter 20 and verse 30 and 31. Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may what? Believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. This pretty much sums up his whole purpose, his whole reason, his whole uh, uh, thing for writing this book down, writing these words down. He's, he, he's written these things down. He was writing them that we would believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, we'd have life in his name. Now, the context of this is, and it's important to know context. Context means like what's around it, right? The context is what is around it so that we don't take things out of context. And we get ourselves in trouble when we take verses out of context. So, so we, the context here is this thing that happened with well, the guy we call Doubting Thomas, right? You all, you've all heard that phrase, and, and some of you have read it here in the Gospel of John chapter 20. This guy named Doubting Thomas was a real person. He was one of the disciples. 
But Doubting Thomas said these words. He says, unless I won't believe unless I see. Unless I touch. Unless I have physical proof, I will not believe. He, he, says, he said that to the other disciples. And what did Jesus come along and he said, okay, Thomas, have a look. Touch my side. Have a look. See, it's here. What did, what did Thomas say? Anybody remember? No. He said, my Lord and my God. He pretty much, you know, fell before Jesus saying, my Lord and my God. So this is the context now of these words that, that John is giving to us. Jesus went on to say, you know, you've seen me, you believe. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And John then goes on to tell us, you know, the things that he's written. These are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Notice in verse 30, he said that, you know, he did, Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples. He did lots of other signs, but, but John uh, pretty much chose and narrowed it down to these. He could have, he could have chosen a lot of ones, but he, he chose these. He, he, he singled these out. It's about seven, maybe some say eight. But turn ahead with me to the chapter 21, verse 25. This is, this is kind of, this thought kind of ties along with what he just said there in chapter 20. 21, 25, Jesus did many other things as well. And if, everyone were, if every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. That's, that's wild, isn't it? But John, you know, narrowed it down to these, seven or eight. But he says, you know, that, that there really isn't room for all the books that would be written about all the things that Jesus did. And I think, I think the fact is that he's still working today. And, you know, there are books of testimony being written today. I just finished a, a reading a book about a... a, a a man and his wife who went to uh, Europe and, and planted a church in Germany and, and then a Bible school was there and just incredible things that, that happened uh, there in Germany. So the books of testimony of what Jesus has done are still being written and maybe, maybe you and I need to write a book about what Jesus has done in our lives. Why? So that, like one of you said, so that the history gets passed along, right? So that we don't forget. That's what John was doing here as well. But these are written, verse 31, he says, but these are written, why? That you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Why? That you may believe. The first miracle that uh, John wrote, the first sign, I should say, uh, is found in, in chapter 2 where he records the uh, at the wedding where the water was turned into wine, right? Remember that? But this is what it says about that. It says, this is the first, John says, the first of his miraculous signs that Jesus performed at Cana in Galilee. It says, he thus revealed his glory and his disciples put their faith in him. They believed. 
These things are, have been written that, that, that you and I would believe, that we would trust. This word simply means to trust. Some margins uh, uh, have it as well here that, that, it, that it also could mean may continue to believe. Not just believe, but may continue to believe. And so, and I think, I think as we continue to, you know, study and read that, that our faith is challenged, our faith is encouraged, our faith grows as we read and as, as, as God speaks to us through his word. But I want to point this out to you that it's not just an empty faith. It's not just a faith, just believe for the sake of believing. Because he tells us here, what does he tell us that we should believe? He tells us specifically two, two areas to believe or two things to believe. What are they? Number one, that Jesus is the Christ. And the second one is what? That he is the Son of God. Again, back to this idea of deity. So this idea of, of, of faith, that faith has content. Faith has something. We don't just believe. I'm a believer. What, what do you believe? Peter talks about having a reason for the hope that we have in us. We, because we, we believe in, in certain things about what Jesus came to do. It's not a mindless, empty faith. The first thing he says is that Jesus is what? The Christ. He's the Christ. Now that's not just his middle name, right? Jesus Christ. It's not just his middle name. So it says here that, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ. And so what does that mean? It's a, you know, again, this is very simple, but, but do we know these very simple basic facts about, about the one we believe in? So it says that he is the Christ. So what does that mean? He is the Christ. Anybody know what that means? Messiah. Messiah. Right, okay. So, so the word in Hebrew is Messiah. Right? And the word in Greek is Christ. They're the very same word, but one is in Hebrew and one is in Greek, right? So, so those are the two words and they mean the same thing. But what does it mean? What does the, what does the word Christ, the word Messiah mean? It, it has the same meaning, but what is that meaning? Anybody know? Someone said it over here. Anointed one. That's the literal meaning is anointed one. And so you say, well, you know, John is he's making a big point of it here that we would believe that Jesus is the anointed one. He's the Messiah. He's the Christ. He's the anointed one, the one who was anointed to be the answer, you see. All through the Old Testament, you know, there are the prophecies of Messiah, that Messiah would come. The sad thing is that, that he did come, and, and, and the Jewish people, their eyes are still not open to the fact that Messiah has come. In fact, they put up banners saying, you know, Messiah is coming. And not understanding, yeah, he's going to come again, we understand that, but, but not understanding that he already has come. But this word Messiah, this word Christ, this word the, the anointed one, what it really means is he is the one who meets our need. He is the one that was promised, that was expected, that was looked for, and yet he is the one. He's the one for you and for me. He is the one for the whole human race. Jesus is the one, the anointed one. He's the one that you and I need. We can't get there any other way. 
We can't go to heaven. That's why it says in John 14, he's the way, what? The truth and the life. We sang it this morning. And no one gets to the Father except through him. There is no other way. He is the anointed one. It's not the anointed one of many. He's the anointed one for the human race. That's important to know. All around us, people are saying, well, you know, there are many ways, you know, there's, that's good for you and everything. But that's not what the gospel teaches. That's not what the Bible teaches. It teaches us that there is a, a narrow way. There's a single way. There's a one way. And his name is Jesus. It's important to know. The second thing here is that he's the son of God. And you say, well, okay. Aren't we all sons of God? But, but for, for John to say this here and for, for him to say these words and, and, and into that society, into the, the Jews, and that's why when they would say that, when Jesus would say, and we find it in the Gospel of John, Jesus would say that God is my Father, and the people got all freaked out. Why? Because he was making, it says, he was making himself equal with God. If he called God his Father to be the Son of God, he was saying, I am also God. The deity of Jesus Christ. Because you know what? If he was just a man, this is so important, we'll get to this over and over. If he was just a man, could he die for you? He would be dying for who if he was just a man? He was dying for himself, and that's the only one he could die for. But being God the Son, the Son of God, God in the flesh, deity come down, he had the ability, he had no sin, he was completely without sin, and now to die for you and for me. He is the one, the anointed one, the Son of God. Peter, you remember Peter, right? Jesus said, you know, they were, they were they having this discussion and they were, would have these discussions. And Peter, Peter, he said some pretty radical, cool stuff. He also said some pretty ridiculous stuff. We know that. But, but he said in this one occasion, you know, Jesus said, you know, what about you? He said, who do you say I am? And Simon Peter, Peter answered this. He said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. The same thing John is saying is part of the reason he wrote this. You are the Christ. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Paul says it in Romans 1. He says, through the spirit of holiness was declared with power to be the Son of God by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ, our Lord. It's important to know. John was writing these things. He had purpose in it. He had, there, there's a reason that he wrote these things down. That you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the anointed one, and the Son of God. That you may believe. But it doesn't stop there, though, did it? If you look at the last part of verse 31, there are some results that come out of it. You believe these things, but then something happens. Something takes place within your heart, within your life. He says this. He says that by believing what? You may have what? Life in his name. That by believing, you may have life in his name. Life. Y'all know that uh, people named their child Zoe. 
Z-O-E, right? That's the word for life. That word here, life, in the Greek language is Zoe, Z-O-E. It says, by believing, you might, you may have life in his name. This is one of the, also one of the great concepts, you know, in the Gospel of John. 36 times it's talked about. Life. Jesus said he was the way, the truth, and the life. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life, you see. There's really kind of three aspects of life, though, I want to I I mention before we wrap this up here. Spiritual life, eternal life, and abundant life. Spiritual life, eternal life, and abundant life. Spiritual life, you know, that's just where we have life within ourselves and our spirits are alive. Because the Bible teaches that apart from Jesus, we are what? We're dead. We are dead. We have no spiritual life. So by believing and trusting that Jesus is the Christ, he's the one, the anointed one, the Son of God, and that by believing we would have life, we would have spiritual life, but we are, again, the the concept is used of being born again, found in Gospel of John, right? What chapter? Chapter 3, right? We'll get to that someday. Spiritual life, we have a brand new life that we have through trusting in Jesus. This is big stuff, right? This is important stuff. Why do you think John you know, wrote this stuff? It was like powerful stuff that you would, you would be dead and that you would trust in Jesus Christ, you'd believe in him, and you would actually become alive. You would like have life in you. Do you have that life in you, that spiritual life? But not only that, eternal life he talks about over and over in this book eternal life, that it's a forever life. It's not just now, it's forever and ever and ever. Life is, you know, way beyond the grave. Eternal life by believing. You're not going to get that by believing in the Red Sox, I'm sorry. (laughs) Eternal life. In John chapter 17, let me read it to you. It says, now this is eternal life. He says that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Part of, a, of eternal life is not that it, only that it goes on forever, is that it's having a relationship of knowing the Father and the Son. But the last one, abundant life, and I think this is sometimes, you know, we're, we... we We know that we've been born again. We have this life in us. We know that we're going to live forever. But but abundant life, we're kind of like, you know, not sure about that part. We're kind of miserable people sometimes. But but John 10.10 says this, and again, these, these, these are concepts found throughout this. He says this, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. He's talking about the enemy, right? And Jesus said this, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full or have it abundantly. And this word full, if you look it up in your blue letter Bible, 
It literally means this super abundant. He says, I have come that they may have life and have it super abundant in quantity and quality. Man, I want that. I don't know about you. I want, I want abundant life. Now, does that mean as some, I think, twist and take things out of context and twist the scriptures for their own benefit, does that mean that we're all going to be driving, you know, Porsche? It's a little bit deeper than that, don't you think? It's a little bit deeper than that, but it doesn't mean that you, if you have one, uh, I'd like to drive it, but um, just for a test drive, but abundant life. It's like something on the inside that, that he's doing in us, and he, he wants that. That's what he came. He says he wants that for you and I. Spiritual life, eternal life, abundant life. That's quite a combination. And that by believing you may have life, zoe. That's why John wrote. Why did he write? That you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So really the, the question is, for, for all of the human race, and, and this is why we go to bring the gospel to, to as many as we can, have you believed? Do you have life? Do you have spiritual life? Do you have eternal life? Do you have abundant life? John chapter 1. Let's finish there, shall we? We'll, we'll close John chapter 1. Turn to, back to the chapter 1, verse 12. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. To all who received him, to all those who believed in his name. That's how we get there. It's, it's very simple. It's, it's almost too simple, isn't it? Well, isn't there something I got to do? Isn't there things I need to accomplish? Even though I, I need to get my life together before I can really become a child of God, before I can have that life, I need to like do all this stuff? No. You simply have to receive that life. You simply have to receive eternal life. You have to believe in his name, believe in what he did and what he came to do. And he'll give it to you. It's a free gift. It's all free. Let's pray, shall we? Our gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you for sending your one and only Son that he would be the one we need. And that for us as part of the human race, that Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Father, I don't know each and every heart of the people that are in this room, but you do, and you know those that are still on the outside looking in. And maybe, maybe today is the day they will say, I receive. I receive you, Jesus, into my life. I believe in you, that you died for my sin, that you rose from the dead. And I want that life. I'm dead inside, and I, I want life. That's as simple as it gets. 
And he is faithful. He will come in and he will be your Lord and be your Savior. And Lord, for some of us too, we're, we're, we're maybe believers for a long time and our faith is kind of maybe becoming a little bit rusty or even jaded. But you want to stir us up to, to keep on believing and trusting that you are the way. That you are the Christ, the anointed one, that you are the Son of God and, and we belong to you and, and you have the whole world in your hands. And as Justin read this morning, you reign. You are on the throne no matter how things look, no matter how bad it gets. You are the God who loves us and crowns us with love and compassion and circles us with your steadfast love. Father, encourage us. Encourage us by your word, Lord, that we would know the truth and the truth would set us free. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's all stand together and sing, shall we?